beautiful morning that we gather to worship our Lord. Uh, Pastor Karabo is not here today. Uh, that's why you see me uh, 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 standing before you. Shall we open our Bibles to a scripture that we find in the book of John, chapter 19? From verse 25 to, to 27. If you are there, I'll read from my Bible, the New International Version. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Let us pray. Our mighty and heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this opportunity that we can come to worship you and to listen to you as you speak to us through your word. We pray that, Lord, you might give us listening ears and that, Lord, your word might be like that seed that fell on good soil, that, Lord, out of it, it might be able to produce fruit in us. For we commit ourselves into loving hands right now. Give us listening ears and search our hearts. For we have prayed in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen. This morning... I want to continue to talk about the last words that were spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, normally known as the seven words of Christ that he spoke on the cross. Today we want to talk about the word of affection uh, that we find from the scriptures that I've, read, uh, I've, I've just uh, read. I've titled this sermon, Jesus' Example of care for his mother Mary. I will basically dwell on the words that will make emphasis on the words which he spoke when he said, Dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. I'm sure by the end of this sermon you must be able to memorize those few lines. Dear woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. The fact that Mary was in Jerusalem at this time of Jesus' arrest, it is not coming as a, a surprise. Year after year, that family, the family of Christ, that is, we're talking about Joseph being the leader of the family, and Mary, 
they observed the Jewish feast of Passover time after time, year after year. They would journey, they would make it to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. You can check on Luke chapter 2 verse 41 which says every year his parents, that is uh, Christ's parents, his earthly parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. This, remember, Christ is normally known that man of Galilee. Galilee province uh, was about, uh, about 145 kilometers in today's uh, 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 distance when we went to the, the Nazareth to Jerusalem. So this is the distance that they used to walk uh, to go to the Passover feast. Mark records in, uh, uh, in his gospel that in Galilee, these women yet followed him and cared for his needs. When we read there, the scriptures, when it says in verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. Hey, a lot of Marys there. They yet followed Christ, and Mark says they were there caring for his needs. They had walked all the way from Galilee when Christ was going to Galilee when he was uh, uh, remember some other time when he was looking at Jerusalem and when he was going there to uh, knowing what stood, what was going to be uh, the ultimate uh, sacrifice he was going to offer. These women he had followed with him there. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. That's what Mark 15 verse 41 says. And Matthew 27 verse 55, it gives us that idea. John, in that brief scripture, he identifies the women as Mary, the mother of Jesus. And good to know that Mary's sister was also the Mary's sister. And then there's Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, whom you know Christ had delivered here from uh, uh, the uh, spirits that followed here. And she had now become an ardent believer and all the time wanted to worship and be there uh, with Christ. The women were supported by another person there, John, the disciple. In that narrative, he doesn't really uh, like to get the limelight. So he just says, uh, there is a, a, a disciple there whom Jesus loved. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, the disciple whom Jesus loved, when we look at the scriptures, it is referring to John. Remember that time, just at the Passover, when the disciples were together there uh, and Christ told them that one of you guys is going to betray me. Peter says to the disciple whom Jesus loved, and that disciple whom Jesus loved is John. He was close to Christ when in the sitting arrangement that was there. And Peter says to him, can you ask him, ask him, who is this man who is going to betray you? And this disciple is identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved. 
who is John. And here he says, he says it, the disciples that Jesus loved. So if you go again in scripture, you, you see he, he writes when he's writing this gospel. He doesn't want to take the limelight. So he, he refers to himself uh, in the background, the disciple that Jesus loved. So in the wake of the mockery and jeering that was taking place, there stood a minority. These were a minority people who were standing at the cross. A minority. There were few people who were not part of the crowd that was mocking. They were not part of the crowd that was delivering insults and mocking at the Lord Jesus Christ. So, despite the intimidating atmosphere that was there, these few women braved the heat and stood there to identify with their Savior, with their Lord. You can see that in those cruel moments, Mary needed comfort. And I'm sure Mary's sister was there, and John was there, and the other Marys that I identified, they were there also comforting Mary. This was, this was a heavy blow to Mary. The life of her beloved firstborn son being shattered in her presence, Christ being tortured in her full view, and she was helplessly watching the cruelty that was being unleashed on Christ. Point number one that I want to bring close to you is that Mary's presence at the cross fulfills the prophecy which was delivered by Simeon when Christ was born. Mary's presence was a fulfillment of this prophecy. We find this after Simeon had blessed the child in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. After he had received and blessed Christ when the baby was brought to the, uh, to, to, to the temple, he then, Simeon, turned his sign to Mary and said, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And it says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. If you read that scripture, it tells you that it was a prophecy that Mary would experience this kind of pain. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. There is one writer who, who has written a, a, a lot, and I want to quote what he says, A.W. Pink when he was referring to the terrible torture, to the terrible feeling uh, Mary was going through on this day, he writes, A.W. Pink writes about the mother's heart, and he says, who can measure those hours of sorrow and suffering as the sword was slowly drawn through Mary's soul? Hers was no hysterical or demonstrative sorrow. There was no sure of feminine weakness, no wild cry of uncontrollable anguish, no fainting, not a word that fell from your lips has been recorded by either of the four evangelists. Apparently, she suffered in unbroken silence, yet her sorrow was nonetheless real and acute. Still waters ran deep. She saw that brow pierced with cruel thorns 
but she could not smooth it with a tender touch. She watched his pierced hands and feet grow numb and livid, but she might not chaff them. She marks his need of a drink, but she's not all allowed to slake his thirst. She suffered in profound desolation of spirit. Close quote. This is how A.W. Pink described Mary being there looking at his son on the cross with the blood flowing when he calls for water he's thirsty and she cannot be there you can see the anguish and the torture that Mary was going through Mary was not a god she was no goddess she was just as human as we are imagine the gravity of the pain she endured some time ago the world cried foul when one leader whose name was Saddam Hussein was hanged publicly everybody instead of rejoicing at it we started asking why why have they shown such a kind of cruelty not only Saddam Hussein there was a a great leader again called Muammar Gaddafi when he was caught up in a war trying to run away and then he was massacred by his own people. Everybody was touched and cried foul. Imagine the pain that we went through identifying with those leaders there. Imagine then the effect it had on Mary looking at his son, his son that she had delivered, his son of promise. And there the son was being tortured in her presence. If we humans can be touched by that, how much more a mother seeing the future of her son being blown up? It was not an easy thing to bear. Hence, she could lean on those few comforting believers, women, who were at the foot of the cross with her. What are we talking about? We are saying that the pain that Mary went through it was the fulfillment of prophecy. It is not a coincidence. This is what the Simeon had prophesied. And I can see there at the foot of the cross, near the cross, a picture of the church reaching out for Christ. There's a body of believers here who are a minority. There is John, the disciple. And in one of the scriptures, it looks like the mother of John was there because we are, the scripture identifies as the mother of, uh, 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 of, of the two sons of Zebedee was there. So she's another Mary that was uh, probably there uh, 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 near, the foot, near the foot of the cross. So we can see the love that bound these people together to comfort Mary as she was going through. And look what happens. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, <clears throat> here is your mother. So this presence of these people, it caught Jesus' attention. As Christ hung on the cross, which is point number two, as Christ hung on the cross, 
he delivers a very, very, very important lesson to us. Jesus here, point number two, he teaches us to honor our parents. That's why I, I titled this uh, uh, passage, Jesus' Care and Love for Mary. Jesus teaches us to honor our parents. As Christ hung on the cross, carrying out that God-sent mission, he spots his mother and puts his suffering aside and pays attention to this widow. Why do we refer to Mary as a widow at this juncture? We want to find out, where was Joseph? Scripture is silent. And you remember Christ, when he started his mission, when he started his preaching, he was around the age of 30. And uh, as he started his ministry, we do not hear anything about Joseph. So we can presume, most probably, he had passed on. At the marriage of Cana, at the wedding at Cana, when Jesus was invited, we are told that his mother was there, but Joseph was not there. But remember the unity that was there between Joseph and Mary when they would lead their children year after year to the Passover feast in Jerusalem. At this juncture, we don't see Joseph. We only read about Joseph when Jesus was at the age of about 12. Remember in the temple when Jesus decided to remain behind teaching and uh, discussing together with the, with the priests. Uh, and then they, after a day's journey walking back to Galilee when they could not find uh, their son, they had to come back. Joseph was leading Mary to find, to, to look for uh, their son, uh, Jesus. So we can say rightly, probably at this time, Joseph had passed on. Matthew identifies Jesus as the carpenter's son. If you read in Matthew 13, uh, uh, verse 55, we find that Jesus is identified there as, as uh, Joseph's uh, uh, son, the carpenter's son. While Mark, Mark actually identifies Jesus as the carpenter. When, the, when he, uh, Jesus, in his ministry, came to Capernaum, to that area, when he was speaking to the people, and the people did not believe him, they identified him as, who is this carpenter according to Mark? Uh, uh, and remember, at that point in time, Christ said, a prophet is without honor when he is preaching in his own, own, own land. He was identified there by Mark as the carpenter. So, if Christ was a carpenter, naturally, he took over provision in the home and therefore, Mary could look upon him for her protection and guidance. This, with this in mind, we can realize that at the marriage in Cana, when they had run out of wine, of the drinks there, Mary says to the servants there, in fact, he went to Christ and told them that there is no more wine there. And the next thing Mary says to the servants, do what he says. So, this tells us that Christ did care for Mary. And Mary would look to Christ for a provision. And at this moment in time, 
Jesus is dying on the cross. And he's so concerned about his mother when he looks at his mother. And we find something so beautiful in this scripture. So full of, it, 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 it means a lot that Christ would think of Mary. All the time we have never heard much about Mary except at the points when he was raising up Christ as a, as a kid and at the time when he wanted to come to see and uh, 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 to see Jesus while he was in the ministry. So here, Christ shows us that he did really care for his mother. Jesus made provision for Mary by directing her to his loved disciple, John. Perhaps his natural brothers, Jesus had brothers and sisters. His brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. Matthew 13, verse 55, you read it. You'll find that he had brothers. And the problem is, why didn't Jesus direct Mary, his mother, to his brothers? And at this juncture, Jesus directs Mary to, uh, to, to, to the disciple uh, John. Perhaps we might find out something from John 7, verse 5, about the, his disciples. His disciples, it is commented in John, that even his brothers did not believe in him. When he started his ministry, when he, during his ministry, they were expressing some doubts over him. And in John chapter 7, they actually say to, his, to, to, to Jesus, hey, there was a feast called the Feast of Tabernacles that was taking place there. And his disciples actually urged Jesus, can you go, to, go to, to, to Jerusalem and show yourself? Go and do it there. These miracles that you are doing here, you go and do it there so that they can believe in you in, in, in a way that was trying to express unbelief in him. Perhaps that's why he saw Mary could only be entrusted to someone whom he indeed had faith in John the disciple. As son of Mary and Joseph, Jesus was submissive and obedient to their leadership. It is the Lord who gave the commandment that we all know. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving you. Exodus 20 verse 12. This was written by the hand of the Lord on a tablet. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land which God is giving you. That same scripture is recorded in, repeated in Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 2 to 3 there about. From verse 1 to 3 there, if you read it, it is also quoting that it is the commandment that he has got a promise. And in Matthew 15, while Christ was busy rebuking the Pharisees for the way they taught, Jesus, he said, these people, they teach you to honor your parents. But in the way they do it, they are living a, 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 a lie. Because when they were about, if they gave some money, if they gave some money, if they had money and they said, ah, this money has been given to God, then they would have a, a reason not to give it or not to help their parents, basing on the fact that they had already given it and offered it to God. So Christ was rebuking them for what they did. And he said to them, Jesus he, he, he was teaching them that this is not the way to honor your 
parents the way the Pharisees were doing it. In other words, Jesus, by way of making provision for Mary, he exemplified his teaching. He makes an example of his teaching. There is no one who is not a child in this uh, world. We are all children. This scripture applies to us all. Our spiritual responsibilities must not ignore the responsibilities of nature that God has placed upon us. So this is point number two. Jesus, in this small passage, he teaches us to honor our parents. If we don't do so, we are in contrary to the teaching that God, that Christ exemplified. He had the whole world. He possessed the whole world. But he had nothing to show when he went on the cross. He had no property to give to Mary. He had nothing, he had no money to leave Mary, but only to point her to the disciple whom he loved. And we will soon see, we'll see, see how this disciple reacted. Point number three. Why did Jesus address Mary as dear woman? Dear woman, here is your son. Sometimes when we look at that, we might think that that wedding is a bit derogatory. But I think the Lord had a reason for it. Perhaps in Christ's foreknowledge and the disaster that would follow in the idolatry of the worship of the Holy Mother, which we can call Mariology, or the worship of Mary, he refrained from calling a mother, as this would have given room for people to refer to Mary as the mother of God. Jesus addressed her as woman. Shortly later, the, the veneration of Mary or the coming in to refer to Mary as, 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 as a saint, as God, crept into the church and it has misled people into the worship of Mary. So if Jesus had said to Mary, mother, at that point in time, I'm sure it would have given room for people to go into that form of idolatry, worshipping Mary as, as the mother of God. Even at the marriage of, of Cana, Christ refers to woman, it's not yet my time. So Christ did this for a particular reason, to stop what now is a problem even more than day, the worship of the Holy Mother. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is presented as the Son of God. So he is above all human relationships. And therefore, this was a perfect address that he used to Mary. Point number four that I want you to learn from this. John is now being commissioned. He turns to John. Here is your mother. Remember, when the Lord foretold of his arrest and that all the disciples would reject him, they pledged that they would never leave him. This we can find in Matthew 26, uh, uh, verse 55. I like Peter. Peter then even went up and said, even... If I have to die with you, I will never disown you. These were the words of Peter. If I were to die with you, I will never disown you. 
And when Peter had said this, the scripture tells us, and all the other disciples said the same. When you get home, read that scripture, Matthew 26, verse 55. And all the other disciples said the same. And where were they? Now, at this moment when they were needed most, where were they? Only one who was there. So, what it means, John had come back. He had come back. He had realized his folly. You know, when, when Christ was arrested, the disciples were scattered. They ran away. After the fight which Peter had tried to do, they later on, uh, they, they ran away. So John, being that trusted disciple as he was, he did uh, the most noble thing. He made a comeback. He came back. And when he did that, something great happened. The Lord gave him a commission. He turns to John. Here is your mother. And we read from that time on, this disciple took her into her home. This is excellent. The great thing that John did. He listened and obeyed the commandment. And we have often spoken, I've often spoken about that, the words that are spoken at the point of death normally are highly esteemed. They leave a lot that must be, that make the life of that person. And they normally also give us direction. And the direction that gave that, 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 that to John there was to take care and provide for Mary. So in other words, Jesus our Lord made a provision. He cared for his mother and made sure that him, Christ being the firstborn, his departure would not leave Mary without attention and without care. He committed uh, Mary into the care of John. And John being that obedient disciple, he took Mary into his womb. And that's why when he writes John 14 verse 15, he says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. John is well suited and well placed to comment like that. Here he took the directive straight from the Lord and took care of Mary. Christ did not rebuke John on coming back. He acknowledged his presence. So when we sin, we have got an advocate with the Father. We must rebound, come back into fellowship. Christ will receive us with an open hand. And point number five there is the humanity of Christ that we see exemplified here. He was a perfect human being. We had compassion. He had love and he cared. Even in death, he cared. He teaches us to do the same to others. Sometimes we may feel like we are... We, 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 we are isolated. But Christ says, if God cares for the birds that fly, if God cares for the flowers that bloom, don't you think he will take care of you? Here we see Christ taking care of Mary. He never left Mary a mansion. He never left Mary groceries. He never left Mary lots of money. He left Mary with comfort and love from a brother who was trusted. So, let me wrap it up by saying, we as Christians, we believe in the virgin birth. 
but we are warned not to fall prey to worshipping Mary. Mary was just a human being, just as we are, whom God used to be the a mother to God's uh, for, 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 for ordained plan to reach out to mankind. Mary was just a vessel used by God. He is not to, she is not to be worshipped. And the Bible teaches us here today that we must honor our parents and those God has placed in our care. And scripture even says, if anyone does not provide for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. This is what 1 Timothy 5 verse 8 says. So from this we learn that Jesus teaches us to honor our parents. And then finally, let us take our duties and commissions seriously. When God gives you a duty, when God commissions you, take it seriously. Take it with the seriousness which John did. He took Mary into his custody. And you know what? John is one of the longest surviving apostles. He survived to probably above 90 years of age. That's why he writes the book of Revelation as closing the, 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 the Bible. He survived to see many, 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 many years. Isn't it true when Christ says, if you honor your parents and love them and do good to them, the Bible actually makes a promise that you will live much, much longer. May God help us to take this word into action. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is quick. Your word is powerful. Your word is active. Your word teaches us and redirects us in the way we should walk. We thank you for the example for our Lord Jesus Christ as he took care of Mary when he was departing from this physical world. We are so grateful, O oh God, for the example. Help us, O oh God, to honor our parents, to honor those who you have placed in our custody. We are so thankful and so, so grateful for this message. Make it, O oh God, to be active in our lives. For we have prayed in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen.